Hey guys, Ashton here. I just wanted to take this time to wish you a beautiful 2018. Um, 2017 was an amazing year for us. We had so many unbelievable voices uh, bring their knowledge, insight, and creativity to the table. Uh, and I truly hope uh, that these conversations uh, are helping start conversations in your own local communities and at the same time, uh, really allowing yourself to look on the inside uh, and find out how you can lead a life of more meaning and more purpose uh, as we approach this next wonderful year. That being said, uh, this episode is the best of 2017. Enjoy. The invitation is to grow and to change and to progress from one place to another. That life is actually a pilgrimage. It's not static. It's not finding one box, one container to be in and be in that for the rest of our life. That we are in a process of, of dying and rebirthing and becoming more and more of, of who we really are. Great moments of revelation are pointing us not away from the ordinary, but rather are pointing to what is at the very heart of the ordinary, that we're being invited to, to move back into an insistence of the oneness of spirit and matter, the oneness of the divine and the human, the oneness of heaven and earth. It's like, you know, God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. What I've come to understand is that stillness is a function of mental purity. And, you know, the more, the, the, the more we can purify our minds, and which essentially means, you know, releasing the burdens that are sort of clogged up in there, mm -hmm. then the more still and the more calm the mind can be. And when the mind becomes calm like this, you know, you really start being able to, you know, release the layers of ego that allow consciousness to really come forward, you know, and that's where, you know, when a lot of people say when they go inward, you know, a lot of the mystic and spiritual leaders that we look up to or the ones that have created our religions and whatnot, you know, they say that there's a, this underlying love that sort of floats and creates the universe. But if you really want to create a new world, it has to be done through love because if it's only through love that we can create something new. I've, I've always kind of had this thing where, you know, you, you try hard, you work hard as, as hard as you can, and you might not see it right away, you might not see it the day of, but I always have hope that it's going to come back, like, it's going to come back being something positive. Don't be afraid to be wrong. Uh, mistakes happen, um, but generally, uh, you know, surround yourself with good people and don't be afraid to ask for advice and really just dig in, you know, like find something that you're passionate about and just run with it. You know, even if it's not what you sh what you need to be doing long term, it's going to lead you to something that you might want to be doing long term. I think that becoming a father has made me a better chef. Hmm. Be being a chef made me be a better father, but, you know, you really, this fine line, you're dancing between being a mentor or being a boss, you know, um, you're, you're kind of not doing a good job if you're only one of those two see, immerse, contend, and restore are these four practices of everyday peacemaking, which are different than I think what we've been told or, or taught in terms of how we show up in the world. And that is to notice, diagnose, solve, and then walk away. Uh, so th there are two very different frameworks for how we show up in the world. My, my sense is, is that discernment is really our ability to know what is in fact good, true, and beautiful. And, and what's good for us, what's true for us and, and what's beautiful about us. If creation itself is the gratuitous gift of a God who is love, this determines the grain of the universe. That if we go 
in the direction of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength by loving our neighbor as ourselves, then we flow in the general direction of healing and restoration, human flourishing, and well-being. The way that you move from survival to thriving is you have to go through it. Have to make room in your life to honor the immensities of the pain and the loss. And the only way to get to thriving is give the pain a place. The land you're standing on, you are responsible for. If it is true that I have fear, that I have guilt, that I have shame, that I have anger, hatred, bitterness, any of these negative emotions that come from a particular person or event, right? If I have these things, and we know that all humans do, then how can I move into peace if I can't sit with those emotions, recognize them, and ultimately release them? And how could I ever release those emotions if I don't forgive? The house of the crossroads is built on fear foundation of fear, right? Because you're fearful of taking a step. And so you just sit there and watch the world go by. And that's not how we were designed as men to live. Um, and so to me, that would be the greatest, that, that would be probably my greatest fear is to just sit at the crossroad and watch everything go by and not take those steps. So, you know, uncertainty is still part of my life. It's part of all our lives. But when you do this a few times, you start to build that trust and that courage to take those steps. Um, but, you know, it starts from a moment of pure uncertainty. You know, some of my theologian friends like to refer to the event of God, mm -hmm. that God is something that happens to us, that, mm -hmm. you know, the biblical God is not simply the, the God of the philosophers as some abstract static concept, but it, God is dynamism itself. And it makes sense in um, a world of where we have increasing understanding of quantum physics and that, you know, matter is not so much about substance, but about the relationship between different constitutive elements, yeah. that we, we see this relational verbing God uh, at the heart of all existence. Let's take a whole day each week and just rest in worship, turn off your phone, be yourself. And I would say, ask the question over and over again who am i or who was i made to be first and then ask the question what am i called to do out of that place shame thrives on us not paying attention to it you know yes. um, yeah, yeah. Be, you know that's the that's the fuel of it because if we're not paying attention to it uh, what we start to do is we start to feel like we're merged with it. So we have this we have this voice of shame within us. And unless we're listening to it and paying attention to it, it just feels like our thoughts. It just feels like our feelings. Yep. Um, and so we start to assume that it's the truth um, about who we are and about the way the world works. Um, and so calling it out and actually saying, no, this this is a this is a message that you've received and internalized and it's now a voice within you. But if you can learn to listen to it, you know, when we listen to something, it means we're listening to something that is not us. Yeah, like what if it's true that joy is not tethered to outcomes? What if that's true? All of my anxiety, all of my anger and frustration, all of my lust, all of these things that actually draw me away from being more human, um, what if underneath them is like a deeper thing happening that leads to my frustrations? 
And, and what if it's because I don't feel competent enough? What if it's because I'm trapped in a cycle of just comparison, which isn't helpful? And what if I'm trying to control my experience of life in such a way that actually like, prevents me from living it? What advice would you give to your younger self? <laughs> that is great. Oh uh, yeah, stop worrying so much about what people think about you. Calling is where your talents and burdens collide, and talents are what you're born with, the birthright gifts that you get in the womb from from God, and and the burdens are the things, the, like the hard things you've had to walk through in life that have broken your heart. And so, I'm lear- I learned in that season season that calling is where you're taking the gifts you've been given to redeem the things that make you cry. Another daily habit that I have is what I, well, what I was taught as is called the four austerities of speech. So it's to speak things that are true, beneficial to others, don't agitate the minds of others, and are based on fact. Hmm. And so, so that's something that I always check with myself. Am I saying words that are truthful? Am I saying words that are beneficial to everyone? Am I saying words in a way that don't agitate the minds of other people, which is always the hardest one, especially when you want to get back at someone. And and the fourth one is, is it based on fact? Is it something based on what I truly know? And and I'm sure that is, is reality. There's a difference between a desire and a decision. A desire is a feeling, a decision is an action. So I'm not talking about how you behave. I'm talking about the things that bubble up in you. And if you can separate these two, and remove then the lens of judgment. You can allow yourself to let the desires begin to become a great teacher. But you cannot learn from them if you judge them, if you prematurely extract them from you as and name them impractical, inefficient, uh, dark, dangerous, hurtful, any of those things, bad, narcissistic, uh, egotistical, any of those labels and judgments some of them may be true, but you will not get behind the desire to find out what's, what it's serving you, what purpose it serves. And when you get behind it, you can actually listen for the song that your heart sings. And, and that's the music you're after, to use your, your metaphor. May you pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebird sing, and be love. <laughs>